Well, hello there. You're listening to Jelly and Bean, a fortnightly news and discussion show where we talk about geek culture, the things that geeks love and geeks love to hate. This show is typically hosted by Brandon Baines, but not this week. This week, it's hosted by Craig Moore and by me, Jelly, uh, sometimes known as Daniel Farrelly. Today is Friday, the 28th of December, 2012, and this is episode six. Hi, Craig. Hey, how's it going? Very, very well. And how about you? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I've been off for Christmas. I'm relaxed. I'm, I'm chilling out. Yeah. Good. You know, I was, I was thinking before. I go by the Scream Man online, so this episode could be called Jelly and Scream if you wanted. It could be Jelly and Scream. It, it works. It all, it almost sounds like jelly and ice cream. So. It's delicious. It's, whatever it's it is. still delicious. Like it's, it's excellent. Excellent. Uh, so today's, today's episode is kind of extra special because, uh, we don't have a lot of follow up. I'll, 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 I'll kind of touch on a couple of things, uh, in a second. Uh, but mostly we're just going to talk about, uh, like boxing Day movies that have come out here in Australia. And we're going to just touch on the Doctor Who Christmas special, which also came out on Boxing Day here in Australia, which yeah. sounds like fun. I didn't see it on Boxing Day. I only watched it last night because we were coming back from Tamworth, but I have seen it. So. Well, that's all right. I, we, we watched it, uh, I think, as soon as we got home on Boxing Day. Uh, and, you know, uh, look... I won't, won't touch on it too much because I want to. I want to leave it for right. actually talking about it. Okay. Okay. But first, first of all, first of all, let's let's uh, let's just touch on some of the uh, the follow up. So the first bit of follow up that I wanted to wanted to mention was the uh, the retro game crunch uh, Kickstarter that we talk, we've talked about a couple of times on here. Uh, the uh, mostly mostly what I want to say about this is that I've actually. Uh, I've actually played the first game that they've released now, uh, which is Super Clue Land. Well, that's the best kind of Clue Land. Yeah, well, it's it's Clue as in C L E W. Super C-L- Clue. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a game. Okay, so for, for those who aren't, aren't really aware. Um, the whole idea of this retro game crunch came from they uh, the group of people who you know are doing it. They did a game for the Ludum Dare uh, a, a few months ago, uh, which is a little kind of competition where they where, where a bunch of people get together and you know they they make you know little simple games uh, for you know various platforms right. uh, in the course of a weekend. And so these there's three guys. Uh, Sean, uh, Rusty, and Matt, I think it is, they got together and they created this little game called Super Clue Land, which is just, it's its based on the, the idea of um, the, the theme which was which they you know, announced for each of these uh, things, which, is, uh, which was evolution. So the whole idea is that you, you, your little character evolves and he gets new, new abilities. Uh, you know, he starts out by being kind of a, a bit of a slug thing and then he gets legs and so he can jump and then he gets, uh, he gets a horn so he can kind of, uh, smash into stuff 
and okay. then he gets wings and then he can fly and then it's it's you know you, you fly around uh so it's a, it's a really kind of simple game i i played it uh on 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 uh christmas eve and you know smashed it out in in a few hours uh it's 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 very good i hope you guys all took my advice and and backed it uh because yeah it absolutely worth it and hopefully we'll you know the the next few games that we get from these guys is will be uh just as just as good awesome so the other thing that I wanted to mention is also a Kickstarter, uh, which we mentioned last week uh, briefly, which was uh, the To Be or Not To Be Kickstarter. Uh, is It's for those who didn't really catch that, it is a uh, choose-your-own-adventure type book. Uh, it's based on Hamlet. So the whole idea is that uh, you, you read through the story of Hamlet, but it's made into a choose your own adventure. So you can actually go off and do other things and have a completely different ending. Um, you can play as different characters and all that sort of stuff. Uh, the, the Kickstarter now finished, it finished, uh, about a week or so ago and, uh, it blew like it, it blew past every, uh, you know, <laughs> it blew past its, uh, its, its maiden goal and it blew past, several stretch goals so there are there's uh they you know they added uh additional stuff to the book and you know made it full color and and all that sort of stuff and so now uh now it's finished it it ended with like a huge amount uh just look i'm just going to look up to see how much they they ended up getting because their their original goal was twenty thousand dollars right Mm-hmm. which they blew past in the first day. And they ended with $580,000. Nearly wow. $581,000. Uh, which is a lot. Nice. Um, so yeah. I'm pretty sure they're, they're the most, uh, they're now the n- most number one most funded publishing project on Kickstarter, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and it's written by my favorite author, Ryan North. He does things like dinosaur comics and uh, the Adventure Time comic book, which is you know outstanding. So it's uh, very much worth it. You can still get in on the action, um, even though the, the Kickstarter is ended. They've they're, they're leaving uh, pre-orders open for the book uh, through the through their own website. I'll stick that into the show notes. Uh, it. It you know you can you can basically you know quote back it still uh, but outside of Kickstarter and uh, get all the all the same benefits as if you had backed it through the Kickstarter and that is open until the end of the year. Cool. So, uh, if I could mention one, yeah, go for it. It's not a Kickstarter. It's actually an Indiegogo, which is the same thing with a different flavor. Yep. Um, a website that I am a part of called Henshin Justice Unlimited, which is a website all dedicated to uh, Tokusatsu and the Japanese live-action shows. Primarily, it does other stuff as well. Uh, they are, need to expand because they've grown well beyond what... Uh, what the site started as, and they're getting a lot of crashing and stuff now. So they have an Indiegogo up uh, just to, with a couple of different levels, just to get uh, some extra upgrades. 
right? Uh, the the main goal is forty five hundred, which is for a complete overhaul of the website. Uh, there are twelve hundred. They just passed uh, fourteen eighty seven with like a couple of months to go. They've set quite a, a long time for this. Yep. Uh, they passed twelve hundred, which gets them a dedicated server, which is like the bare minimum that they needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's indiegogo dot com slash power up justice one word. And uh, we'll, we'll chuck that in the show notes so that people can uh, can find that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're into uh, Western, like if you're a Western fan and you're into a lot of this Japanese uh, live action stuff, there's not a lot of places you can go in order to um, uh, look at, like talk about this thing. It, it's a very niche kind of thing. Uh, while it is growing, it, it is still it is still quite small. And HAU is is definitely the place to go there. They're a really good site. So they were they were very helpful to me when I started, like going on there and saying, okay, what do I need to know? You know, there was a few people who were more than willing to help a new guy out, which as anyone who's ever, you know, joined into a fandom late would understand is, you know, a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, because uh, a lot of the time with fandoms, people can be a little bit, you know, judgmental if they, uh, if if you start out and you don't really know what's what you're talking about and you say something and everybody kind of piles on it's just ah oh. sometimes it's it's not great but if you yeah. if you know for having uh, providing resources like that where you can where it helps kind of noobs get into into you know into the nitty gritty of different fandoms is is um is excellent so yeah. uh yeah so you know if if that interests anybody then they should uh they should you know follow that uh, follow that link and, and help them, them out. So, let's talk about you, Craig. Um, so you're you're a bit of a podcast uh, whore. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's probably the best way to put it. Uh, you, you've been on several podcasts and s- still are on several podcasts. Uh, I, I, to, off the top of my head, I know of of two of them, which is uh, Fushcast. And uh, let's get ready to pod. Yep. And I'm sure there are more. There's there's one other I'm on, uh, two other ones I'm on semi-regularly-ish. So, okay, so Fushcast is my main podcast. That's all toys and, uh, you know, just action figure related stuff. So we talk about everything from uh, G.I. Joe and Transformers to uh, Kamen Rider and... Uh, Macross and Saint Sayer and right. I don't know all sorts of different toy lines. Star Wars. Uh, I'm just looking around my room, which is the easiest way for me to remember different toy lines. Uh, He-Man, like any any Marvel unit, Marvel Legends, DC Universe classics, all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, it's it's a weekly show. We're on a little bit of a break for Christmas at the moment, but we're coming back early next year. And it's usually an hour and a half if I can. This is our aim. It's somewhere between an hour and two, <laughs> depending on how we go. Fair enough. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's it's mainly toy related, and and that's probably my my big one. We're doing pretty well with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's get ready to pod is mainly my friend uh, Nikki's podcast, um, and we're taking a bit of a break at the moment. Uh, we're on a little bit of a hiatus, but once we're back from the break, yeah, LGRTP will start back up, and that's more like general nerdy entertainment, so video games, TV shows, uh, cool stuff we found on the internet, uh, movies, whatever it is that grabs us that week. Sure. So some weeks, we've had, you know, whole Doctor Who weeks, we've had video 
weeks than another bit of video games. So it, it really varies depending on the week itself and how that goes. Sure. Uh, and then the two that I'm kind of on, I haven't been on it in a while, but What's on Joe Mind, which is G.I. Joe podcast. Uh, when I was out of work, I was on it quite a lot. But they tend to record now f- what's for me is in the middle of the day. So I can't, you know, I can't be on it really anymore, which is kind of a bummer. But they're a great group of guys. And uh, yeah, it's all G.I. Joe related, which is, it's a lot of fun. What's on Joe Mind? With the new movie getting delayed, we were all quite pissed about that. I think that was the last one I was on, actually, reaction to the movie getting delayed. Because it's still, it's still delayed, isn't it? It hasn't come out yet. No, it was supposed to come out in, I want to say September, or September or October, I can't remember, and a week before it was supposed to come out, they pushed it back a, I think it was, I think it was a week, no, maybe it was like two or three weeks, but anyway, very close to its release time, they pushed it back to March of 2013, and supposedly they're adding 3D and things like that, but... Uh, we do know that a lot of extra scenes were shot, and there's some speculation that the ending was changed around. Uh, um, I can't really say what without telling you spoilers, so I don't want to do that. But yeah, let's uh, the, that. the new one looks really good. They just brought out a new trailer for it, uh, which looks pretty incredible. So if you haven't checked it out, go look up G.I. Joe Retaliation. Uh, the first one, I like the first one. It's, a, it's silly, but it's kind of fun. Uh, the second one looks a lot better, though, with um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Roadblock and... Um, who else is good in it? Uh, Adrian Padlicki, I think is how you say her name, as yep. Lady J, and Bruce Willis as Joe Colton. So a bunch of bunch of decent name actors in there. Yeah, fair Race, enough. Ray Stevens as Firefly. That looks really cool. So I'm I'm really psyched for that. Sweet. And then the last podcast I'm on is HJU Radio, which is the podcast for Ancient Justice that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's all Tokusatsu and whatnot. And the, the I'm not on every episode. It's a, it's a rotating gr- group of podcasters. Keith is kind of in everyone. He's the guy who runs HJU. And then the rest of us rotate around depending on what the topic is and which ones of us are best suited to talk about it. Sure. So I was on the last one, which was our 2012 wrap-up. And I think think I'm on the next one, which is the Go Busters finale, which is the current Super Sentai series in Japan. Super Sentai is what is, comes over to the West as Power Rangers. Ah, uh, right, yes. I, but I, I know it, Power Rangers. <laughs> well, it, it, it's funny to watch. If, if, you've, if you've only seen Power Rangers, you know that there's people in suits, yep. and everything else is going to be wildly different, doing martial arts and giant robots and stuff. Yep. Everything else, the characters are, are completely different. The easiest way to do it is the the recent series of Power Rangers was called Power Rangers Samurai. Watch the first episode of that and then go watch the first episode of Shin Kenja, which is the Japanese one. And that if if that isn't the best indicator of the differences between the two, I don't know what is. Fair enough. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, so those are the four that I do. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, So so podcast whore is definitely definitely an applicable title. Absolutely. Total podcast whore. So, this week, uh, this week, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we're just going to cover off some of the Boxing Day stuff that that has been released. And uh, the first thing that we can touch on, which we nearly touch, started touching on, uh, is Doctor Who, which their their 2012 Christmas episode uh, was released. I think here, I think it came out on Boxing Day evening here. Yeah. Uh, 
so that like and it, it's uh you know obviously with it's got Matt Smith in it and the the new companion uh <sighs> is, is, that, I, is that a sigh of of of, of blissful hotness <laughs> she's a uh she's a very good looking lady she's she is she looks like she's going to be a whole lot of fun yeah i i really liked her although a modern uh, uh, it's hard to say. Are we spoiling? What's the rule? Oh, that's right. Uh, I was. Uh, I, I wanted to put out a, a mention before we really get into anything that uh, this episode, just generally because of the nature of it, we're talking about movies that have just been released uh, here and stuff that's just been released here. I wanted to put out a, a just a general spoiler alert. We may talk spoilers. In fact, we probably will. Uh, In fact, we definitely will. If you would like to uh, wait until uh, until you know you've seen each of the different things that we're going to talk about, then that's that's all well and good. Uh, you you can look at the the blurb for for exactly what we talk about. I will also put uh, into our notes uh, timestamps so that you can listen to the general you know the, each bit uh, separately if you if you want to. Uh, cool. So. But that's yeah. We, we will be probably talk, be talking about spoilers. We're generally a spoiler-free uh, podcast, but just just because of the way that things are working, we we just it's, can't do that. You can't talk about the Hobbit or this without spoiling. We're gonna spoil. We're gonna spoil you uh, if if you keep going. So okay. Anyway, that's enough. That's enough warning. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that's a good warning. Uh, uh, so, so the yeah. thing I was going to say with Doctor Who was that the I, I like her a lot. I mean, other than the fact that I think she's mega cute, but just just generally in terms of the character, I think I think she's going to be a lot of fun. She's a fast talker and a smart ass and all that, and that's great. But as you know, Linda and Nikki and I were sitting and watching it, and we were you know kind of talking about it. It is another essentially modern day attractive British girl as the companion. Yeah, well, I mean, I see at the beginning of this, uh, at the beginning of this episode, um, I don't know if I, I if I talked to you about this at all. Um, I've had f- since the the season kind of went on its on its break between uh, you know the, the the angels take Manhattan and, and yeah. the Christmas episode, mm-hmm. uh, the snowman. Uh, in, in in between those kind of two episodes, I've been formulating a bit of a a theory on how this how this season is going to go okay. uh, because it was fairly it, it seemed fairly uh obvious at least to me in that uh so we've had a whole lot of uh, stuff leading up to the like the, that last episode where we lost amy and rory and we had the you know the the whole thing kind of uh seemed to go around a uh kind of hover around a uh, what's the word um paradox they they used a paradox to get away from the angels and it didn't really work and I, and my thinking was that that was going to lead up to something a lot bigger uh you know because we they they you know we'd seen uh we'd seen Oswin yep Clara whatever we're going to call her we've seen Oswin die and now we've seen Clara who is also Oswin die uh and like at the beginning, I, I thought that we, you know that that was still going to happen, uh, and that we would get this kind of uh, you know somebody that's at least not from the you know modern time period, but 
then you know having now skipped to you know to the end and and seen that you know she dies and we you know get a a, a different version of her somehow uh it it seems like that that's not going to be the case yeah yeah, and I, I I thought that was kind of a bummer. Like, if he, although I mean, she was one of those characters who was, yeah, I'm I'm from Victorian England, in name. I don't act like it, talk like it, dress like. Well, I guess I dress like it, but like she she was very much a modern person trapped in ancient times, and I thought that was going to be a thing when she left, and she was changing her clothes in the bag. Yep. In the in the carriage, I was like, "Oh, you're going to find out that she's a time traveler too, and that's why she's so anachronistic." But nope, right? Apparently not. Yeah, well, I, I had exactly the same same thought, and uh, look, I I think it's I don't I don't think it's going to necessarily ruin it for for me. Um, I think when once we're like this sort of thing comes up basically every time they introduce a new companion. And it's always like the, there's always complaints, and there's always people wishing that you know that the old companion was still around, and there's always people who you know wish that we we would just go back and you know have Rose or or Donna or or whatever, and that's just not how it works. Um, but I mean, the, the, it would have been nice to get somebody at least out of the you know out of this the normal kind of time zone. It's yeah. not like it's not like it's. Uh, it's not like it's never been done before, you know. Back in the in the old series, we used to we used to get lots of different kind of uh, companions from kind of different backgrounds and stuff. Yeah, but not so much the case now. You know, unless you kind of unless you count like Rory or uh, you know some some of the other companions that he's he's had along the way that are considered companions. But aren't necessarily the major ones, and I'm, I, I guess that I guess that's kind of sad. But I don't I don't think it necessarily detracts from the show itself because I mean, for instance, this this episode, um, this episode is very different to the previous Christmas episodes in that uh, it's uh, I should I should uh, can't probably clarify that a bit. This episode is different to the previous Matt Smith. Christmas episodes, in that it actually does stuff with the major storyline that's going on. Previously to this, we've had uh, the one based on A Christmas Carol, which was just kind of a sideline story, didn't really do much as far as, uh, you know, developing the story, the major storyline with, uh, which was happening at the time, which I think was the, was it the, uh, the one with the, Pandorica? Uh, yeah, I think so. I yeah. think at the time. And then the last one that we had was uh, was the one with the the one that's the rip-off of the C.S. Lewis one, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe or something. Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah, and it was, it was you know, the, a rip-off of the Narnia kind of uh, series or a, oh, an, an homage to the Narnia series. Uh and it didn't really do much for the major storyline either. Uh, it was like there was nothing new kind of explored. There was no sort of uh, twists or, or anything like that added to that, added to the story. But with this one, 
we've had kind of twists put in like you know uh, the whole thing with the you know the girl who died twice uh that's a huge kind of twist to the storyline that i don't think anybody was expecting i certainly wasn't um but we've also had like it's also moved the story along we've been introduced with the new to the new companion and that sort of thing um i don't know i th- i i liked the episode i think it was the probably the best matt smith christmas episode yet yeah i i actually think season seven's been the best um doctor who has been like i i should add i'm not a big doctor who fan i'm certainly not uh, what you call a rabbit fan like many people i know i'm i'm very much a you know i'll watch them and sometimes i think they're neat and other times i don't care uh, uh and i got so uh, the whole reason i watched doctor who in the first place was that I got so annoyed with... I, I'd be like, oh, I'm not a Doctor Who fan. Oh, have you seen this one? Well, no. Okay, watch that one. So I'd watch it. And I'm like, yeah, I still wasn't that big a fan. Oh, oh, well, have you seen this one? So eventually I went, you know what? Screw it. And I watched all of them back to back. Sure. So now I've seen all of them. And I was like, eh, I guess. I can see why people dig it, but it's not for me. Until season, season seven started where I'm like, all right, now this has been really interesting and exciting. The only episode I didn't like was the cowboy one. Other than that, I've yep. been sold from go to woe. And I, I really like the new companion and I really like the setup for it. It was funny and had a lot of good jokes in it, the new the Christmas one. So Yeah. And yeah, and I think so I think she's gonna be a good companion regardless yeah. of whether or not um regardless of whether or not, you know, she's the the typical uh girl, you know, female from a you know, present day companion. Pretty pretty girl. Very from pretty present girl. day, uh, she is very pretty. So very, very pretty. Don't don't tell Mel I said that. <laughs> I, oh, I said it to Linda. I was like, good. Oh right, good. Oh, yeah, no, she's 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 pretty. Mel's gonna the... listen. Mel's gonna listen to this anyway, and I'm gonna uh, uh, just you yeah. just gotta you just gotta be up. That's why you just gotta be upfront. Just be yep. like, look, yep. she is yep. really smoking hard. She pretty much is, and she's you know got a great kind of character going for her and stuff as well. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her uh, her character expand as we get into the uh, f- further into this particular season. Hey, in real life, she's dating uh, Rob Stark, so you know, right? When when it said winter is coming, I'm sure she was like, I know. <laughs> yeah, every every so many TV shows are using that line. Uh, lately, I've heard, I've heard ever since you know, ever since the Game of Thrones uh, show started, a few TV shows have jumped on and used that line as a you know, way to reference uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Winter, well, is, winter is coming eventually. It comes every year, so this, keep that in mind, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, so. We moving on. We move on to uh, Les Mis. Yeah, so you haven't seen this, so I haven't. I guess... Linda, really, Linda really wants to, and I'm I'm kind of keen because I like my, me a good musical. All right, well, so... I'll try not to get into too many spoilers. The thing is, is that Les Mis has been a stage play and a, and several movies and uh, and a book for many many years. So I don't think I can spoil you too much on the on the plot. Uh, yeah. And honestly, like, this is the first, this is actually the first time I've ever had, like, I've never read the book, I've never been to the stage play, I've never watched any of the previous movies, this is the first, my first introduction, I guess, to Les Mis. Uh, and, dear Lord, is it epic. 
and it's a very happy, happy movie. Uh, yeah, that's what I've heard. It's real upbeat. <laughs> yeah, so um, it kind of weighs in at about uh, I think it's like it's like ten minutes ten minutes shorter than uh, than the Hobbit, and the Hobbit is no uh, is, is is not short. Uh, it's, no. So it's 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 nearly three hours. It's it's about two two hours and forty minutes or something. Um, yeah. The Hobbit's about two forty-five, so I think it's yeah, it's probably, so it's, it's probably a little bit under that. Uh, but it's it's and from from start to end, I think there is maybe two or three lines that are spoken. Everything is sung. Everything, everything is. Sung. Oh, really? Everything is sung. It's all singing from from start to finish. Uh, and. Uh, it's I. It's the sort of thing where I got to about two thirds of the way through the movie, and I started questioning whether or not I was ever going to hear anybody speak ever again, like, <laughs> <laughs> and whether or not I just start. I just kind of you know uh, something had you know switched over in my mind, and from forever I was just going to hear everybody sing everything. Uh, which so because and it's just simply because it's so long. Uh, it's, it could probably do with a bit of an edit. Yeah. I think there are like, and look, there are several, several like long movies that probably could do with an edit. Uh, but people, you know, it's Les Mis, so you, you know, you can't, you can't edit Les Mis. It's, you know, people take that sort of an attitude towards it. I think they've added, I'm pretty sure they've added at least one song for the movie. So you could, you could edit name is by not adding shit into it <laughs> it was yeah because it, it was so it was very long uh and the the way that it's shot is that it focuses very much up on very much up on close-ups so you, you like they're, they're belting out these songs like uh you know for instance um Anne hathaway is is belting out um i dreamed a dream yeah and where on this tight close up of her face and seeing like and that's basically all it is the entire song we get like maybe we may cut away for a few seconds and you know get a bit of a shot of you know a full body shot or whatever but then we'll cut back into the face and it's you know and now she's crying and tears and <laughs> and you know hard to breathe because she's crying and just like it's oh it's so full on like it's uh they they focus on the on the emotion of it rather than you know big you know fancy sets or anything like that and that, i mean it's it's a good looking film don't get me wrong like the sets are, are, are great and you know the, they use cgi to kind of uh, add depth to a lot of the scenes and to do some fancy camera shots uh that you could never do on you know on, on a stage or anything like that um but it's yeah a lot of it is kind of close up and a lot of it is just very focused on the emotion of the whole thing, which I guess, you know, given that its name is essentially based on an emotion, it kind of, you know, is appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I, I've i heard some from some friends of mine who are big fans of it. They really liked it. Um, so that's a good sign. Uh, again, I haven't seen... Do you, you know how they filmed this one? They filmed everything... Like they filmed it all live, so it was yeah they didn't, they, for the they first didn't, time ever in a musical. Yeah, so they didn't pre-record any of the like any of the singing, um, which is uh-huh. typically how you do it. F- like how you do 
you know, music for for film or TV is you pre-record all the all the singing and then everybody just lip syncs on on you know while doing the actual acting. Um, and in this case, they just sang. They sang all of it and recorded it all singing, which is full on. Yeah, yeah. They I know that they um, uh, absolutely did it. From start to finish, supposedly they they had earpieces where oh, right. where they had someone playing the piano just off screen to kind of keep them in time. Yep. Um, but yeah, the the movie sounds like it's going to be fun. So wait, did you like it? I I, I can't like, quite tell. You can't quite tell. <laughs> I li- I liked it. I, it's it's a hard it's a hard thing to just kind of go oh that was amazing at least for me it's it's hard to kind of you know just throw out a you know a general I liked it or I didn't like it I did like it it was it was a very uh, it, it was very well made and I can't, I did enjoy it um, but it could have been edited it could you know there there were there were it's not without its flaws uh, and look and Mel liked it. Uh, so you know, and she's had a bit more experience, I think, with with Les Mis than I have. And uh, you know, I've, I've most people that I've you know heard who have gone what like most of my friends who have gone to see it also enjoyed it. So I don't think it's, I, I think that it's a like it's a good movie. I don't think you can kind of say that it's a bad movie. I. Uh, it did, you know, but that, that's not to say it doesn't, doesn't have flaws. Um, it may not have been for you. It's probably not for me. And look, the, most of the reason that I, I watched, I went and watched it, was because a Mel wanted to go and watch it, and also I wanted to, you know, at least have a bit of a discussion of it. Now, yes. Uh so it, like I, I didn't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing, or you know. Or, or anything, it was just kind of, I'm going to go and watch this, and I guess I'll make up my mind about it later. And, yeah, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's probably not, it's it's not really my thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about something that I think was both of our things. <laughs> well... We can we can choose right now. We can go on to either The Hobbit, or we can talk about Wreck-It Ralph. Well, I haven't seen Ragged Ralph, so maybe you should do that. And you can do it quicker because I won't have anything to interject. Not having well, seen it. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll give. I'll, I did like Wreck-It Ralph. I really enjoyed Wreck-It Ralph. Um, and it, for those who don't really know, uh, it's a Disney movie, a Disney, an animated Disney movie, which is about uh, video game characters, like characters from uh, arcade games. And it's got a very Toy Story vibe to it, which I guess we can probably uh, expect now that John Lasseter is um, basically executive producing everything from Disney Animation. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's they, they give life to these characters that you just kind of normally play with, uh, like, you know, kids play with. And so it's got that very, you know, Pixar vibe to it, uh, which is, you know, because that's basically what they do with all of their, uh, a lot of their movies anyway. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. Like it's um, you know it's it's no great story or anything like that. I mean it's it, it's a, it's a good story. Like what I'm trying to say is that it does, it's very cliched. It's kind of you can really kind of 
tell like uh, you know that it's um it's very straightforward there's no there's no twists really uh or anything like that you just you you know you go from start to finish and it's it's a just a nice kind of tight story uh it, it's one of these one of these movies that kind of makes me feel like I'm justified in saying that animation animated movies like actors in animated movies are different to the to animators in live action movies. Does that even make sense? Yes, I'm just um, not sure where we're going. Okay, well, it's one of the okay. So Sarah Silverman plays. Uh, uh, Vanellope. Okay. Which is a really weird name. Um, she plays Vanellope, which is, you know, this tiny little glitch kind of character. Um, uh, and plays her all cutesy and all that sort of stuff. And Sarah, Sarah Silverman rubs me the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I can't handle her in anything that I've ever seen her in. Um, you know, any live action stuff that I like, you know, she had the show that, that show, uh, or possibly still has it, um, any interviews and that sort of stuff. I just can't, I can't stand her. Like I, like she makes me want to, you know, curl up and rock back and forth. And, um, <laughs> and in this, she was, I want to say bearable, but actually it was a little bit like she, she was actually, she was actually good in it. And I actually in, wow. like liked her character. And I have found in my experience that animated movies tend to take char- take people that you don't necessarily like and make them likable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And there's not, uh, not a lot of films that can pull it off. Um, so, because I've I've had the same thing with uh, like with, with several actually a lot of comedy actors who go into they, they go in and they start doing um, like I normally can't handle their regular movies because they're just you know terrible, uh, and they go into do an animated movie and I can you know I like them I like their character or I like what they're doing with the character or whatever and I think it's uh, it, it's it's a phenomenon that I find very strange. Um, anyway, that's kind of off topic. Uh, but so back to Wreck-It Ralph. Um, it's, yeah, the, the story is very, you know, is, is good. It's cliche. It, it is cliched. It's kind of whatever, but it's, it's still good. Um, the characters are likable, which I think is nice. Um, it's definitely something that I think people like that adults can enjoy as well as kids. A lot of people, a lot of animated movies, kind of get kind of passed off as being kids' movies, and this this one is definitely kind of tailored is tailored towards both. Like, not really tailored towards both. It you know it works for both. It works for both, um, especially people who are into games. Um, you know, there are lots and lots and lots of video game references. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, yeah, if, if you have, if you go and see it, I think um, I think. The one thing I heard about that was that essentially halfway through the movie, they get to, I think it's called Candyland. Yep. And then two thirds of the rest of the movie is in Candyland. Well, it's it's not Candyland. It's uh, what's it called? It's it's like a candy themed race racing yeah. land, and I can't think of the name of it anymore. But yeah, most of it is in in this in in that land where it's all candy and stuff. And there's lots of there's also lots of 
kind of candy uh, references. Um, like for, as as an example, there are there are these guards that are that are Oreos, which isn't really candy, so I don't know how it works. But um, there's there's guards like you know castle kind of guards walking around with spears and stuff, and they're singing Oreo Oreo over and over again. Uh-huh. Uh, they're Oreos, obviously. Um, and I, I look, I love Oreos, but you know, it's it's a sort of movie that makes you hungry for candy, I guess. Um, yeah, that's like a bad, <laughs> the, the bad pun. Yeah, there's lots, lots and lots of bad puns. Uh, you know, they, there's there's Laffy Taffy, which is you know, uh, which actually is a bit of a plot element in that these people are stuck in um, Nesquik sand. All right, you know what? Stop. A little, a little part of me just died. <laughs> there's lots and lots of lots of puns. It's uh, it's 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 very pun filled. But it's you know it's it's an, it's a good a good movie. It's it's sweet. It's you know it's nice. It has uh, excellent elements in it. Uh, it is very much worth seeing. I think mm-hmm. if you can handle the puns. Can, <laughs> I can... Probably, I I can really. I'm just being silly. <laughs> um. So, look, I, I'll throw a, a review into the into the show notes. Uh, it's definitely worth going and seeing. Um, I've been looking forward to it since it you know since it was uh, announced and stuff. So I've been kind of keen to go and see it. Uh, Mel wasn't necessarily so keen, but she still came along with me anyway. Probably because I went to Les Mis, so it was you know a bit of a scratch my back, scratch yours, or whatever. But. Uh, what you did in the movie, she, she, enjoyed, like, <laughs> like, she, she enjoyed it as well. So you know, it's it, I think I think it's worth going and see. And she's not a video game person either, so it, it's it's good for everybody. I think you can get, kind of get into it and and still enjoy it. But there's lots of stuff for people who are into video games. It's one of those kind of movies, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to go see it or not because there's a bunch of movies I want to see, and I, I do have a budget. It's a very high budget, but I do have a budget. Fair enough. Um, and and I want to see Jack Reacher, and I'm have no choice but to see Les Mis. So I've seen. Let's see, oh, well, I saw Rise of the Guardians, which I can talk about very very quickly. Yeah. Um, which is basically a. Uh, I I would guess I'd call it a, a re- one of the few movies in a long time that's a real family movie. It's about. A when when uh, evil threatens Earth, which is like in this case, it's the Boogeyman, whose oh, name no. is whose real name is Pitch Black. Um, when when he threatens the Earth, um, the Man in the Moon has uh, kind of uh, created various people in different times who all have to come together to fight him, and these are the Guardians, and the Guardians consist of Santa Claus. Uh, played and, and I'll, I'm going to say who who plays who because with the one exception you can't tell you'll never guess the voices. Um, so the who uh, Santa Claus who's just known as North is played by Alec Baldwin with a Russian accent. So he's this big Russian <laughs> Santa. He has tattoos on his arms, one that says naughty, one that says nice, and he wields dual swords to fight with. Uh, it's got. Um, You've also got Hugh Jackman, who's very obvious. Uh, he's the one voice you can sort of tell. And he's the Easter Bunny. 
who's a large rabbit that throws boomerangs, like razor-tipped boomerangs at people. Right. Uh, Isla Fisher playing the Tooth Fairy, who doesn't really do any, like, doesn't have a lot of fighting, but is sort of the master of a bunch of fairies that go around and collect all the teeth from people. Right. Uh, uh, Pitch Black is played by Jude Law. And the Sandman, who's the the fourth member of the, the Guardians, who doesn't speak, so he doesn't have a voice actor, but the Sandman's the other one. And then they are joined uh, by Jack Frost, played by Chris Pine, uh, who many would know as Kirk from the new Star Trek movies. Yep. And ja- the the whole movie's about Jack, who's kind of ignored. Well, while kids can see the Easter Bunny or Santa or the Tooth Fairy if they choose to appear in front of them, no one can see Jack Frost because no one really believes in him. Right. So they he can still do things and he has an effect on the world, but no one sees him. Which he sort of minds occasionally and sometimes it doesn't seem to bother him. Most of the time it does bother him, though. And uh, it's about him learning to become one of the Guardians and them stopping the... the What's his name? From Pitch Black from taking over the world. Right. Or at least sending the world into darkness and into fear by extinguishing children's hope. And right. it's it's corny and it's goofy in that sense, but yep. it's phenomenally animated. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. It was just really exciting. Like they do, it, uh, The best way I can think of to describe it is it's very much a kid's film. Like if you've got kids, they're going to love it. And if you're a parent, you'll enjoy sitting there watching it. But if you're just our age, it's not necessarily one to rush out and see. Okay. Uh, it's it's fun. I dug it, but it's not amazing. Yeah, see, I just i i look. I didn't really see a lot about it until really recently. And my first kind of the first thing that I saw was this string of like of elves that were uh, kind of hung across the, the the ceiling of the cinema. Yeah, and so I, I was just like, I don't really know what this is. It doesn't really make any sense. And then I saw a poster of Santa Claus with the naughty and nice tattoos and I was like, ah, oh, okay, so it's like a generic animated Christmas movie. Excellent. Good. Okay. Now I've got that in the bag. I won't go and see it. And yeah. then and then I saw a poster for the rabbit, the bunny, the Easter bunny, yeah. and I was just like, wait, so it's a generic all holidays Christmas holidays Kinda. movie? <laughs> Kinda, yeah. I think if there was a spirit of Valentine's She'd have, she'd have been there. Right. Right. So, okay. But, yeah, okay. Fair yeah, enough. look, it's it's by no stretch of the imagination a bad movie, but it's not it's not aimed at us. It's more it's aimed at kids and where adults will enjoy it. Um, and I actually think that that's kind of good. Like, really, Pixar, other than Pixar movies, there's not a lot of good family movies. Right. And this, I would say, is a good family movie. Right. Yeah, so, so. I, I would probably say the same thing about Wreck-It Ralph. Okay, well that works. So I think it, I think that kind of works. And then the other movie I saw was Man with the Iron Fists, which is amongst the worst movies I've ever seen in my life, and I really don't want to go into it. Like I, I would I would rant for hours, and I'm uh-huh. running out of time, and we're going to talk about The Hobbit, so I'm yeah. not going to, except to say, do not under any circumstances watch it. <laughs> yeah. So on Boxing Day. Uh, me and Mel basically went from you know we got home we went and we saw we we watched uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special on the TV and we immediately like literally as soon as the episode ended we 
got up, walked out the door, drove down to the cinema, uh, and saw Wreck It Ralph. And then we got back in the car and we drove back, you know, back home and walked down to Civic to another cinema to watch, uh, watch The Hobbit. Wow. Yeah, we, we had a full day. Uh, and given that The Hobbit is, is not short, uh, it was, it made, you know, that day particularly long. Um, but we, we, the reason, and the reason that we saw it in the cinema that we did was we got to see it in the 48 frames per second. Did you, did you see it? Uh, in 24 frames per second, non 3D. Right. So you can probably, you can probably help me out with some of the, some of the questions that I have. So okay. here's, here's the thing, you know, just like, I'm just going to lay this out. I am not a, I'm not a fantasy person. Mm-hmm. I'm very into sci-fi, but not into fantasy. It kind of, I kind of draw the line uh, because I just don't, I just, just don't enjoy it. I, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never seen or read Lord of the Rings. Really? Mm. I can understand not having read them, but not having seen them is. Pretty I never, I never saw them. Uh, when when they came out, I was just just wasn't interested in them, and it wasn't like nobody around me was kind of. Uh, you know, making me go and see them, so I didn't go and see them. And but now you're married to Mel, and, and she now I'm it. married to Mel, and she loves Lord of the Rings, uh, at least the movies and the books. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did, I did, when I was in about sixth grade, uh, our teacher read The Hobbit to us. So I've never. It's not like I've never ever been, you know, been introduced to the you know the Tolkien verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say I've never read the Hobbit, but I don't remember. I don't remember any of it, so it's it's all completely new to me. Uh, so, you know, I'm just putting that up front so that people understand that I I don't know anything of what I'm talking about as far as like story goes or how it you know attaches to the uh, to the Lord of the Rings and all that sort of stuff. I just I know what I know, which is the stuff from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Now this particular film was uh, Peter Jackson uh, did in like he he's completely planned it and everything to be forty eight frames per second in three D. Mm-hmm. So really, so that's like that's how we went and saw it. Um, we it was just it was the obvious choice really, so that I could kind of get a an idea of uh, of you know what his what his vision was. Mm-hmm. So to kind of get the forty-eight frames per second stuff out of the way, uh, really quick, um, and for those who don't understand, forty-eight frames per second is done so that uh, you get the full, like the full experience uh, in three D, because three D glasses typically have one frame per eye, so you basically each each frame is then you know two frames. So a typical movie would be which in 2D would be you know 24 frames per second is actually limited then to 12 frames per second which is not not great it kind of makes a bit of a flicker and it doesn't really kind of give you the full experience it makes everything seem a little bit more uh a little bit less defined i guess mm-hmm. and darker i guess the 48 frames per second then allows you to see it in full 24 and so it's just like going and seeing a regular movie in 2D or whatever um, 
the thing with the forty-eight frames per second is I don't know if you experience this, and I don't know. I don't actually know if it's a if it's a Lord of the Rings thing or or whatever. But there are certain shots in places that seemed like they were sped up. Did you experience any of that? No, I mean, it, I I sat down and I was like, I wonder if I'll notice this, and then I completely forgot about it until someone asked me how it looked later on. Right, and I went, Oh yeah. Um, so, no, I've. No, I, it looked to me the same way that, in terms of uh, just general visuals and stuff, that Lord of the Rings and everything looked. Well, Mel suggested that it, like, Mel agreed with me in saying that that certain shops, shots just seemed like they were going a little bit faster than they should have been. Like, there were certain shots which, uh, like, with Bilbo at the beginning walking around and stuff, um, where he's, you know, he's going through stuff, and it just seems like it's done, like it's been kind of sped up. And I, th- yeah. I think it's to do with the forty-eight frames per second. It didn't didn't look like that at all, not to me. I, I had no no issues with that whatsoever. Okay. Um. And the the only other the only other kind of thing about it is that it makes uh, it it really does like it makes everything look so much more real, which like or at least the real stuff look real, which makes. When you've got kind of when you've got characters overlaid on top of you know matte paintings or you know CGI backgrounds and that sort of thing, it makes it look faker. Mm. I actually noticed a little bit of a disconnect with that. Not often, but there was one or two points where I was like, eh, "That's you guys on a green screen with a big thing in the background." Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's not often. Yeah. There's only a couple of points, and ironically, it's not. Some of the points, like it's not when they're in the door, in the goblin mines or anything like that. Okay. It's like them looking over Rivendell for the first time, or um, the shots of uh, um, what's his name, Thorin, in the in the flashback where he's like standing and looking all epic and stuff. I'm like, that's you on a green screen, and I thought that was kind of a letdown because the first one, I know you haven't seen them, but the the best part about the Lord of the Rings, especially Fellowship, is that the visual effects are so well meshed into the film that you don't notice it. Right. Like, and I will say in this one that they've, the, the Lord of the Rings looks, the, the scale changes, like the way that all the characters are different scales looks amazing. And yeah. yet they've, and yet in this, it's better. You forget that Gandalf and like that, uh, Ian McKellen, Martin Freeman, and, uh, the guy who plays Thorin, whose name, Richard Armitage, um, you forget that they're all roughly the same height because the effect of the height difference is phenomenal. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, I I didn't even notice any sort of kind of mishaps with that. And they, they're like, they threw a couple of shots in there to kind of really sell it to you. Um, Like, you know, passing, I think like there was a part where one of the dwarves gave um, Gandalf a little, you know, glass of wine and they yeah. you know, handed that over and it was it was seamless like it was it was perfect yeah and there, there's a that's like there's ones like that are like what i would call like a trick shot it's like a Ooh, look at the trick like you didn't notice that did you huh huh yeah yep. but to me it's things like Gandalf and, and bilbo were just sort of walking around his house and the camera's like weaving around them like any sort of track shot yep but you forget that that's actually they, this, is, twice. this is or or something because yeah. holy crap and and that was the stuff where every so often I go wait 
that's a trick, and it's a, such a good trick for, that I forgot it was a trick for a while. And uh, yeah, I, I I tip my I did not think they could possibly make it better, and I was wrong. Indeed, like well, it, it looks amazing. I mean, I mean, you watch the original, and and I think I'll actually, you know what? I don't think you should watch Lord of the Rings. I reckon you should wait and watch the three Hobbit movies. And get to the end, and then watch Lord of the Rings. And I'll be really interested to see your reaction to that. Okay, okay. Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll try. Because... And, I'll try and keep Mel from making me watch them. Then. Well, let me. I'll talk to him. But <laughs> because the the idea of getting to, uh, like, for you, then you'd be watching a movie by then that's almost fifteen or sixteen years old. Uh, after the originals, and I mean, I honestly don't think that the the difference is is really noticeable at all. Right. Like, I think you you you'll just be seamless. You'll you'll swear that you're just watching the next one. Okay. Like you got little moments like that, Bilbo, that old Bilbo and Frodo and everything. Like the first time you see Frodo in the Lord of the Rings, he's sitting under a tree reading that little brown book. Yep. And he's. And uh, he stands up and goes to meet Gandalf. That's the first, like, that's his introduction into the Fellowship of the Ring movie. Mm-hmm. So I love that little flashback bit of him saying, all right, I'm going to go over here and wait for Gandalf. Because it really sets the framework for the timing, which yeah. is cool. Right. Yeah, well, look, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait until, you know, next year at least and see The Hobbit and the, the second Hobbit, Hobbit 2. Two hobbits. I think the next one's called the decimation of Smog, the something of Smog. That was that was something that I, I kind of picked up on because we saw we saw very brief glimpse of Smog, the, dra- yeah. the dragon, uh, and yet uh, I love that I love that uh, I for- I've forgotten his name, Benedict oh, Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I like he he got a pretty major credit in like in the credit sequence like it was uh and he, he didn't he didn't do anything like um, like well, he opened his eye i think is basically the well he's playing something else as well um let me just have a look actually i remember reading that that he was playing two characters at least two and i i think let's see Benny Cumberbatch. oh he's the necromancer right as well so you don't really, again, just sort of a, a silhouette kind of shot, but technically he is in it. Yeah, well, he would have done, um, he would have done like the, you know, uh, the mo-cap, mo- yeah. mo-cash, mo- motion capture for it. Yeah. Uh, and probably did something similar for some of the small stuff, but as a general rule, like he was, he didn't, didn't really show up much and you certainly didn't hear him at all. No, all, I think it was all sound effect. Well, the the next one, I'm just trying to find it. If the, if the next one is the decimation of smog, then I'm I'm pretty sure he's probably going to be in there somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the something of smog. Anyway, I I, I just don't remember. Cast of the Hobbit film series. Show me the names of the Hobbit film series movies. Come on, internet, don't do this to me. I have never let you down. Why would you let me down in return? I don't know. I'll find it at some stage. But yeah, the the other two, I think the the third one's called There and Back Again. Ah, uh, yep, sure. 
Yeah, that one. And the, and the middle one's the something of Smog. Okay. Yeah, look, I, I, I will put it out there. I did kind of enjoy it. Kind I'll, of. Kind of. Again, I think it's one of those things where it's not real. I, I kind of went into it expecting that it probably isn't my thing and came out going, oh, wow, that was really well made, but probably isn't my thing. Right. Um. So I like, but I did, I did enjoy it. It's still, it's, it is well made. And I think a well made movie is always going to, like, it will always kind of leave you wondering whether or not, you know, you've been wrong all this time about, you know, not liking a specific genre or whatever. Yeah. I, I'm not a fantasy fan either. It was Linda that got me into fantasy as well. Um, but I, I rank the Lord of the Rings films as some of the best ever made. Okay. Oh, they're, they're amazing. Um, the, the second one's called The Desolation of Smog, not Desolation. Desolation, okay. Um, yeah, and I kind of agree with you. I, I really liked it. I, I didn't... I didn't think it was as good as the originals, but I totally dug it. I've heard people saying it's a bad movie, and I think they're out of their goddamn minds. Yeah. It's... Well, I, I think I think that it's very evenly split, and part of that is that a lot of uh, a lot of people who are into the Lord of the Rings uh, specifically have enjoyed it because it's been it's it's pretty much uh, kept as far as I've like I've read. Um, it's kept very close to the original source stuff, and you know it, it's been pretty good in that sort regards. Of. Somewhat, yeah, yeah. Um, and so a lot of the like the Lord of the Rings fans uh, have enjoyed it, but people who are expecting another Lord of the Rings haven't, because as I'm told, it's not the same. It's not. Basically, what they've done is they've taken other stories that Tolkien wrote and mushed it into the movie. Right. Um, what you've seen, what we saw in the movie, and for those who've read the Hobbit, again, we're spoiling stuff here, but it ends basically uh, right after the escape from the Goblin King and the Eagle's flight. Um, that's kind of where the movie ends. Uh, and that's about, a th- well, it's probably about a third of the book, but the book's a lot thinner. Yep. Um, things that you don't see, for example, you never see Thorin's past. You never see anything with Radagast that you see in this. Um, all of that stuff with the Necromancer actually happened before The Hobbit. Like, Gandalf knows about all that when The Hobbit starts. Right, and they've mixed it all into the... They've mixed it all into the movie. Into the so, I mean, there's, same time. Yeah, there's lots of stuff. I actually, I went onto Wondering.net and they've got a like full list of changes between the book and the movie and pros and cons. And I would say two-thirds of the cons were, well, Tolkien didn't write that. Right. You know, the pros are like, this adds extra drama and motivation to the characters. Negative, well, Tolkien didn't write that. And, like, if that's the best you got, I'm feeling pretty good about the movie. Yeah, no, I think I think that it was, like, I, I kind of went in wondering whether or not I would like it. Um, like, like I said, I wasn't really expecting to like it a lot, um, just simply because I'm not a fantasy person. And haven't really ever gotten into the Lord of the Rings movies or books or whatever. And having heard like the two sided two sided reviews that have come out, because most people have either hated it or loved it. I haven't really heard anybody that's been kind of, oh well, you know, I guess it's okay or whatever. Yeah. Which I guess is probably how I'm. I'm the first. Yay! Uh- <laughs> I would actually be interested if you'd be willing to do it. 
to, for you to go and see a non 3D, non 48 FPS one and see if, how it changes, if it changes your opinion. All right. Well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that Mel wants to go and see it again, so I'm pretty sure we can uh, we can make that happen. Because yeah, on, I, on a future podcast. Yeah, tell us what you thought. Because I, I reckon that I'd be interested to see if you're like, oh, well, that was much easier to watch. I enjoyed it a lot more. I wasn't, you know, noticing that the visual effects didn't mesh or anything like that. It all just clicked. Right. Yeah, well, I, I mean... Th- the 48 frames per second has a lot of merit, I think. And I think that as by the end of the third movie, I think it'll be a lot better. Um, simply because over the course of the next few years, their ability to, you know, make believable CGI stuff will, you know, they'll get better at it. Um, yeah. Like they, you know, and, and that's like, that happens with a lot of like, uh, you know, trilogy movies where they, you know, they make them over the course of a few years and, and you know, they just slowly get better and better. Um, because, you know, it's, it's the nature of things. And I think, I, I think that 48 frames per second certainly has a lot of, a, a lot of merit uh, for, you know, making stuff seem a lot more uh, visually impressive, especially stuff that's shot in camera. Um, like... Uh, Mel a few years ago went and saw the like the Hobbiton village. Yep, we've been, we've been there as well. Yeah, it's yeah, Hobbiton. and you've been there b- before. Uh, and the um, she said, "Look, it it looks like it looks like I'm looking at it. Like it was just that. Like it was it was that clear and like almost pristine. I guess it was like looking at the real life one." Yeah, and I think I think that that sort of thing it has like that that shows that it has merit. I don't know if that's a, it, if it looks the same like on a you know twenty four frames per second non three D uh, screening, but it certainly like I, I, I certainly can see that sort of thing being something that would uh, improve future movies. Right. Yeah. I. I don't know. I, to me, it's it's like um, it's it's too much like what people said would happen with uh, 3D, where Avatar comes out and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, 3D! You've never seen anything like it." And I'm yet to see a three. Well, okay, I should add, my eyes don't process 3D properly, so I can I walk into a 3D movie, and for me, it's like walking into a regular movie wearing sunglasses. I just okay. don't see them. But that said, people I know who can process the 3D still say to me, yeah, I guess it's all right. Like, no one has ever uh, told me that 3D has made a movie dramatically better. No, and see, I think think 3D is one of these things where uh, it makes... It's like like music in a movie, right? Um, Yeah. it it's it works best when you're not really focusing on it. Yeah. Or at least that's my opinion on it. Uh, a lot of people, you know, will say that, oh, you know, you have to have the gimmicks where they throw things at you and make things come out of the screen at you. Uh, but 3D, in like when it's well done, just gives a feeling of depth and kind of... Um, it will give you a, like a, a feeling like you can actually... You're actually seeing, you know, a, a, a location or whatever uh, in its full kind of glory. Um, which, you know, looking at a 2D 
screen won't necessarily give you. Um, and yeah, there are there are people like 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 yourself who can't necessarily process process that uh, the, the the 3D properly, um, and so it doesn't look right. And there are movies that are done so badly that it kind of gives 3D a terrible name. Um, basically, like to, to name to name a few, uh, basically any movie that has been 3D processed, like post yeah. post processed, um, just it looks awful because it just like they can't they can't really add the full depth. It's all done you know by hand or whatever, or you know with with computers, and so it just kind of a lot of it looks very cardboardy, and it's almost like looking at one of those standees that they stick outside of the cinema to show to make you you know to advertise the movie. Yeah. You know, oh, look at this, Mum. It's a frame from the movie, essentially, because that's how bad the 3D is. Yeah, I am... Um, yeah, I, I just... Uh, this doesn't appeal to me. I, and, that's I fine. mean, maybe it would be different if it, if I could see it. I don't know. But I really hope the 3D goes away. And I feel like 48 frames per second is, in some ways, the next 3D. It's them going... Uh, how can... Because did you pay more money for the ticket because it was in 48 frames per second? I am not sure, but I'm fairly certain that the 48 frames per second was just how they were showing the, their 3D okay. version of it. So we paid for, we paid extra for the 3D as you tend to do. Yeah. Uh, but you, we, we, I don't know that we paid any extra for the uh, for the 48 frames per second. Because the the cynic in me says that that's why they're doing it. They're like, what's another thing we can charge more? Which is to me the wrong. The wrong answer to the problem of why don't people go to the movies anymore? Yeah, it's, too ex- it's not. It's not that ooh, we need a new gimmick to get them in seats. It's it's too expensive. You need to make it cheaper, not add something else that's going to jack up your price. Right, and it may not, and it may not jack up the price. But right. I, I'm sure if they can find a way to charge for it, they will. Oh yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'd be. The, um, this came out in IMAX, didn't it? The The Hobbit. Did it uh, come out IMAX? You don't know. I think I, it, I think it might have. Um, it's it's a little harder here to to get to an IMAX cinema here, but they're almost everywhere in America. Like a lot of the cinemas over in America have uh, have a an IMAX screen in them, just like right. we have uh, the extreme screens or whatever at some of the, you know at the Hoitzers and stuff around here. Yeah. But you know, IMAX is obviously a lot bigger and a lot more, uh, a lot louder, like really loud. Yeah. Um, I'd be almost interested in seeing it in IMAX, just to see like whether or not it's like uh, how how you know because it's got a lot of it's got a lot of kind of you know uh, those landscape shots that kind of show you like show you the beautiful New Zealand terrain. Visit New Zealand, uh, and like that that sort of thing really kind of it. Like I think that the IMAX would have probably given a lot of credence to that, but that's just, I don't know, that's speculation, so I won't go into that too much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, as a movie, I dug it. Um, it is, is it long? Yes. I, I, this is essentially what I said on Facebook. Is it a long movie? Yes. Could there have been stuff cut out? Mm, yes. But it's never boring, it's never dull, and it's far, far from bad. Absolutely. I would, I would agree with that. And in fact, I will go further to say that, um, re- remember how I said that Les Mis is about 10 minutes shorter than The Hobbit? Yeah. It felt like it was, Les Mis actually felt a lot longer than The Hobbit, just because of the yeah. differences in it. 
the the Hobbit is a lot of like there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I mean, you know, a good po- portion of the movie they they do they do like in Bilbo's house, and you know they're all having dinner and stuff and doing all that sort of business. But it doesn't feel boring because they're doing things and they're moving around and there's lots of fancy shots to make you feel like you things are happening, even though they're just basically sitting around a table and talking. And yeah, yeah well, that's right. It doesn't like it doesn't feel like anything is not happening. It feels like stuff is happening. It feels like you're doing something, which is great. On the other hand, Les Mis tends to because it's just basically lots and lots of close-ups which brings out the emotion and makes you feel all kind of sad and teary. Uh, it th- There's a lot of kind of things not happening. There's there's not a lot of things ha- happening. Yeah. Um, which makes it feel like it's longer. Yeah. I th- so I, I think that, you know, out of, out of the two of them, uh, yeah, The Hobbit is probably the better choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I haven't seen Les Mis yet, so I can't comment on that. But I know, I know that I never really. The only point where I felt the time was at the end. Bilbo does his "This is why I'm staying" speech, yep. and then we get another fifteen minutes of action. I was at that point. I was a bit like, "All right, we probably probably could have finished it up there for this one." But all right, I guess we're still going. Yeah, and that was about the only point I went. Eh. But um, no, I, I did enjoy it. I'm really, I'm looking forward to the next one very, very much. Excellent. Um, and yeah, I, I look. I'll talk to Mel. I don't think you should watch Lord of the Rings until because I'd be really interested to see someone who watches them in that order. All right. Well, I'll see what I can do. Groovy. All right. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's a pretty good place to wrap things up. Awesome. So. Uh, if you would like to read more about any of the stuff that we have talked about, uh, you can find the show notes at jillyandbean.co forward slash six, because this is the sixth episode. Uh, it would be awesome if you would rate the show on iTunes. Uh, that's the best way for us to get new listeners, and you know, have, having new listeners is always a good thing. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, you uh, with me and, and Bean, uh, although if you want to get in touch with uh, with Craig, we, I will gladly pass along any uh, any emails that we get through uh, the contact form, which is at jellyandbean.co forward slash contact. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter. Yep. Craig, you are at the, the, sc- the Scream Man. At the Scream Man. Yep. All um, one word, T-A-G-S-C-I-E-A-M-M-A-N. And we'll throw that. Uh, we'll throw a link to, to, to that in the show notes as well. Uh, you can get me at Jelly Bean Soup on Twitter. Uh, thank you very much for listening. It's been an excellent year, and I look forward to seeing you all, uh, having you all again next year when Bean returns. Uh, have a great new year. <laughs>